0: Greetings, Troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original Troubled Man for Troubled Times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What's going on with you? Oh, Manny, you know, uh, just uh, continuing on with my season in hell, uh, you know, trying to Trying to work through the problems, work, work the solutions one at a time. How about you?
1: Uh, well, I'm just uh, uh, um, dealing. I'm, it's the last, it's like the, f- the final turn towards the election day, and I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm doing things. I'm trying to get the word out there. I'm answering more questionnaires, you know, because of COVID and all that. It's no longer, you know, in person forums, everything's done on the computer. So it's been tough for me because I'm not very good on the computer. Yeah. So uh, when the when the person running the the form says, "Well, click on this and show this," and I'm go, "I have no idea what you're talking about."
0: Right? You just start I, screaming at him saying, I, "I don't know what that means."
1: I don't know what that means. I really don't know. <laughs> but listen, you uh-huh. think you're going through hell. Our good friend and former guest Brant Ryder
0: Sure, Brant. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, he lives in New Jersey, uh huh, and Ida totally destroyed his house.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh man, oh, he's sorry dealing with that.
1: a. He's getting a new. He has to deal with a new roof right. for his house. He lives in Hoboken, New Jersey. Mm. A new roof for his house, a new HVAC system, yeah. And a, quite a, a quite a few other things. So, you know. uh People down here think, well, wait a minute, why come we're not getting all the funds and federal government aid? Well, lots of other people around the country are suffering too because of IDA.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, well, they, and, and hopefully they're, they'll be taking care of them, too. I mean, that was actually kind of part of the hope uh, down here was, you know, since Katrina, they don't seem to be too excited by any storms that happened down here. They're like, oh, well, you guys got your shot. You know, we we, we poured our hearts out for you. So what, again? But uh, but the, because that the Ida affected the Northeast so so much, we thought, well, at least we have some some powerful advocates in the uh, the Senate and, and uh, the, the House of Representatives who who are going to be weighing in, because usually when these relief bills come, you know, they they do it for the whole country. So,
1: yeah, well, yeah, so I, I understand that totally. So people down here. You know they got to be a little patient and stuff, but he's suffering. But uh, he has uh, no—he's you know he took the day off. He said today because Mm, he had to finally uh, deal with all that and stuff like that. But um, you know it it, it goes all over that, Ida.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, you know, Idaho, Idaho, Idaho.
1: She was a hoe, right. right? Fucked over everybody, but so. You're still dealing with trying to get your house repaired.
0: Yeah, yeah, still dealing with all kind of stuff. You know, the roof is still open. Still waiting for the co- roofing contractor to work his way through the long line of people ahead of me. Um, starting this week, uh, the the road work has uh, has found me. They've 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 zeroed in on my street, and uh, so now every morning at uh, seven a.m. sharp, they start with the uh, the backhoe driven uh you know giant uh jackhammer that's uh, chewing up the street you know perforates the street makes a grid pattern and then they come and uh, scoop it all away so they're working their way down i think probably tomorrow will be the last day i can get in and out of my driveway and uh and then i'll start having to park around the corner and carry my equipment a, a half a block or so (laughs) <laughs> it, it never ends, man. Yeah, it
1: never ends, man. I tell you, man.
0: And, and look, and look on top of that, it's it rained yesterday for the first time in about two weeks. So, uh, you know... I, I, I you ended, were
1: on the bucket brigade?
0: Well, but unfortunately, it, it, it wasn't really pouring in. You know, the buckets were handling it. So I didn't have to go up and down the stairs this time. But during the rain, I did get a, a text from one of my tenants. And it was a, a video text and uh i turned it on and it's uh it's their microwave oven there that's uh, kind of built into the cabinets and water is coming down through through the vent <laughs> into the middle of the microwave oven and and he says uh so uh there's rain coming in through my microwave oh <laughs> Okay, well. That's I hope you told one. them
1: not to make any popcorn or anything. Well,
0: the first that's the first thing I said is don't turn it on. Yeah. As if that that weren't obvious, but you'd be surprised what tenants can uh can Well, I miss. know. You've
1: had some pretty stupid tenants over the past few well, years. Well,
0: just, you know, it's like people they, they 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 may not be stupid, but you know, they they somehow, I don't know, they 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 don't have common sense sometimes. So, you know, these guys are very on the ball. I just, you know, better safe than sorry. Don't turn it on first of all. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Never had that happen before. I went over there. I think it was, uh, the, it's one of these microwaves that has, a, a, an oven vent built into it. So that kind of runs through there. I think water was getting in through the, the exhaust vent and coming down, but man, crazy.
1: Yeah, I know, man. So, well, my week hasn't been that bad. I mean, as far as the house and damages, you know, we survived and stuff like that. But I did... um I did do a couple of things politically that, um, you know, that were fun. I, uh,
0: right. Well, Go ahead. I, yeah, I saw you were on the, the Chris Champagne show. Is that one of you going to talk? Yeah. About? Well,
1: that was, I haven't heard that yet. I mean, I was there when I recorded it with him, but I haven't heard it yet. And that was kind of fun. Chris is always a fun guy.
0: Sure. Our former um, guest, uh, yeah. political did you uh, see uh, the
1: comic. Did you see his date at the fundraiser, man?
0: Uh, I didn't, I don't remember seeing uh, Chris there. Oh,
1: yeah, he was there, man. You know, he's like older than us, man. And he, right, had, oh, yeah, he had some hot chick with him, man.
0: Okay, very I good. I guess
1: i don't know if it's the name champagne that draws them in or uh,
0: just his sparkling have, personality, yeah, man.
1: just his personality, his wit or whatever. But uh, she was hot, man. Okay, and, uh, good for Chris, anyway. Um, so I did that, yeah, and I also did um, um. You know, every election year I seem I get I, I get invited to uh New Orleans version of uh politically incorrect which is called Politics with a Punch Down here.
0: Right, and Jeff Cruer. Yeah, Jeff uh, we, we were running him down on the podcast a month or so ago. That didn't that didn't uh put him off of of uh, inviting you on.
1: No, no, he called me up. He said I want okay. you on. He had his panel and you know, I've done the show about I don't know, Jesus, like eight times or whatever and this this had to be probably one of the worst ones. I mean his
0: Why is that?
1: Well, his fan base has gotten so um uh, you know followers of the MAGA man, you know, the orange hair guy. Okay. And uh his whole panel, except for me, was a part of that movement too. Oh geez. So it was just a lot of people just spewing, you know, hatred against science, against this and against this and
0: people different from them. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And what I found so funny was, is that, you know, uh, it was eight people on the panel and all the topics were about Orleans parish and all this going on in Orleans parish, Latoya, our mayor and this and this in Orleans parish. And, I'm the only one of the panel who lives in Orleans Parish.
0: I was just about to say that. I bet none of those people live in New Orleans. Yes, none of them yes, did. They all mm. have a lot of opinions. They live yeah. in Jefferson. They live in St. Bernard. They live in St. Tammany Parish. They have yeah. a, lot, a lot to say about New Orleans, but uh, they yeah. don't vote here and they don't pay taxes here.
1: Oh no. They, have, you know, they come in and just like the tourists, they come in and they puke and piss in our streets and you know, get drunk and get out while they can. But I want to ask you something about okay. this. Did you tell anybody that I was doing that show? Did you tell it or mention no. it or post no, I it? No, didn't,
0: I, I didn't even know. No, I, I, this is the first I've heard, so no. Well, no, that's
1: it. why I had to cancel last Thursday's show is because I was taping the Crow show.
0: Okay. So no, you, didn't I,
1: te- you didn't tell no. anybody?
0: No, not a all. I did not know.
1: Okay, so. well, this is weird. Um, as the show ended, you know, we take a group photo, and uh we shake hands and there's you know mingling and stuff like that and you meet and greet some of the people in the audience and stuff but my wife and i decided to you know just we left so we're in the parking lot of this place where they hold this show and across the parking lot i hear this guy screaming manny chevrolet manny chevrolet i'm gonna vote for you i'm gonna vote for you manny chevrolet i'm voting for you i said cool dude cool i gave him the thumbs up and Me and my wife got in our car, and as we're pulling through the parking lot, he pulls up right next to me, this guy, rolls his window down, and I roll my window down, and it's this greasy, like, guy with, like, one of those high school mustaches, (laughs) and he's got, like, greasy black hair. He kind of looks like a darker version of Steve Buscemi, the actor. Okay. You know, like, you know. Right. And... I said, he goes, I'm going to vote for you, man. And I said, okay, cool, man. I go, what's your name? He says, I'm Renee Coleman. I'm Renee Coleman.
0: (laughs) Well, clearly it wasn't me. Well, no, I know
1: that, but I thought. I, I know. I said, "Okay, dude," and I rolled up my window and sped away really fast.
0: Uh, he, he must be a, a, a fan of the Troubled Man podcast, man. I,
1: I guess so, but he was a twisted little freak, and he kept saying, <laughs> "I'm Renee Coleman. I'm Renee Coleman." Huh? That's and pretty weird. Yeah, it was pretty weird. So uh, I thought maybe you had told somebody about the show, and he was just doing a prank on me or something. No, no,
0: but... no. I I I don't even know. Yeah, I know nothing about that.
1: Oh. Uh, all right, well, there's a guy who likes you. All right, well, <laughs> who you know, wants to likes, be
0: you? Likes you too. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well. Yeah, I don't know. Let's keep an eye on on him too. You know, see if he if he shows up again. Let me know. Maybe I could uh, maybe I could get him and my stalker together. That would be that would be do a little maybe. Uh, maybe this was your
1: stalker. I don't know. No, no, In definitely not my
0: stalker. No, I know I know who that is. Uh, but I'm saying they, those two could date. You know, he could say that he's me and. I don't know.
1: It was very strange, you know. To a uh, uh, meeting
0: of the, the twisted minds.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, it was, this show took place in Metairie, so I got the hell out, you know, as fast as I could.
2: Right, uh, right.
1: But I did do something uh, also last week that I haven't done and probably since this pandemic started uh, back in March of, what was it, 2019 or when it started or I don't remember when it started. 2020, 2020. yeah. 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 Uh, me and the family went out and had dinner in a restaurant.
0: Really? That's the first time in, uh, in all that time, uh, 18, yeah. 19 months?
1: Yeah. We never went out. Where'd you go? Uh, we, uh, we went and got some oysters. And, okay. Uh, we went to Drago's, Drago's or Drago's, whatever they Drago's, call it. Drago's, yeah. Yeah. and went and got some oysters, and uh, it was fun. Um, we went to the, the one uh, in Metairie. Because the one in by the Hilton, I don't really care for that one. Okay. The the ambiance there seems like you're in an airport or something like that. Right. So we went to there, and you would have never thought there was a virus that happened at all. Everyone there was like. You know up close and personal with no mask on or anything, sure. Like that.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah. been like that in Metairie for a while. Well, well, actually, uh, citywide, the the mask mandate is ending, and uh, yes, it seems like the, the cases are dropping. So, you know, hopefully, that uh, we're well,
1: I know happen. they say we well, don't, I'm still gonna wear my mask because I don't trust it, man.
0: okay? I well, it's Halloween, it. so you know, it's yeah, a, it's,
1: I can't yeah. trust it, but. Also, I, I, uh, I saw, I, I had a couple days off, and I, I, I went to, I saw that you were playing with Susan Kausil.
0: Yes, uh, And yes. you were
1: streaming it on the Facebook. Yes. And I went, I started watching it, but it, you guys had such technical difficulties, it was very difficult to listen to and watch
0: yeah they wound up uh replaying that a few days later um and it, it the the rebroadcast was was smoother. i think in uh, Wawa, they must have a lot of uh, of uh you know, uh, radio frequency insulation. It's kind of a, a Faraday cage of sorts, and uh, it's it's difficult to to get a, a signal out of there. So they recorded the thing and they replayed it. I was able to watch it that night on a replay, and it ran smoothly. Just sometimes these live streams, when they're actually going live, they can be a bit glitchy. Even if you just like go back ten minutes or so in the in the the timeline of that of that stream it will often run much much better so that's a little trick well I mean
1: yeah I didn't go back to watch it but the one thing I I did notice while I was watching is that uh, you know I think of you Renee. you're a rock star you dress to the nines you you have a sense of fashion and stuff like that but uh you were wearing white pants that night
0: I was wearing white pants yeah that's not a good look for you Renee. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. actually it's, it's Susan Cowsell's favorite pants that I have, so I was uh, wearing yeah, it well, them the front. I don't
1: know about her, but that's uh, not a good look for you. Uh, okay, the, well, I, I, the I, white pants.
0: I, f- f- I figured, Manny, when you brought up my attire, it wasn't going to be a compliment. So, right. well, I, well, no, you know. I,
1: I think that I've always uh, thought that you got your, you know, you have a nice sense of fashion. You always have. Okay.
0: Well, thank you. And, I do but, appreciate uh, that.
1: But uh, you can't. You're at an age where you can't pull off the white pants anymore.
0: Okay, all you right, know. well, I'll, I'll, I'll take that, take that into Donate consideration. Donate them to the uh, Rock
1: and Roll Hall of Fame or something like that. Uh, you
0: know. know. Okay, yeah. all right, Manny. But, but yeah. <laughs> he's going to, thumbs little, down on the white pants, yeah. all right. Okay. Well, very good, Manny. Well, uh, how about we uh, bring our guest in here, see what he sure. thinks about the white pants. Yeah. Uh, okay, so our guest, he's... He's, a, uh, he's a, an acquaintance, a friend of both of ours. We've known him socially for, for a bunch of years. He's a, a modern-day troubadour of sorts. He's a, he's a folk and Western music guitar and mandolin player songwriter a singer he plays all the folk festivals Newport Folk Festival Jazz and Heritage Festival he he's, makes all the cowboy poetry gatherings around the country his his uh, latest record its sixth solo record is called uh, Range of the Buffalo it's it's a uh, top 10 on the Western Music charts in fact he's nominated for an International Western Music Association uh three three awards he's nominated for song of the year songwriter of the year and album of the year for range of the buffalo so uh really excited to have him on uh without further ado mr carrie grombacher
2: welcome carrie <laughs> thanks for Hey, hey it's good to see you we're good to hear you manny it's good to hear you too it's been quite a while
1: yeah i know i've been enjoying the whole pandemic that you know not having to deal with uh going out and stuff so I'm going to miss the pandemic.
2: Yeah, early oh, wow. on, Manny, I remember we came and forced ourselves on you on your front porch. Uh, that was back in probably March or April 2020. Yeah,
1: I, re- I remember that. You, you, I was kind of nervous.
2: Yeah. So how's things going? Renee. I need to point out that um, they have not announced the nominations for the album of the year yet. I'm hoping for that one this week, but uh, I'll let you know when that, if we can confirm that uh, nomination.
0: Okay, well, you know, we're on the Trouble Men podcast, Carrie. We we try not to get too hung up on uh, either details or facts. So, so if something sounds good, we'll just make that assertion and uh, pretend it's true. I can roll <laughs> with it.
2: So, uh, so, so, Carrie, uh, you're not from New Orleans, are you? Where would you grow up? Well, I was born in Kansas. My dad was in the army, and I moved around uh, a lot. You know, every two or three years, growing up. Okay, and, army brat. All right. Yep, I was.
0: So now, now I, so, someone was telling me something about your father. Was he a, like a military intelligence, a CIA or something?
2: Well, no, not the CIA, but uh, during World War II, he, along with tens of thousands of other young Jewish-German refugees, were part of uh, the Army and uh, other services, intelligence corps, dealing with uh, the war in Europe. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he was... Uh, he was an intelligence guy during World War II, but then when he after World War II he went into the Signal Corps and stayed in the army till the 80s.
0: Oh, okay. That's uh it's a interesting uh way to spend your your younger years. Um so so you you traveled all around uh and and
2: did you grow up in did you spend a lot of time in the west? Well, I was born in Kansas um, and actually the places that we lived were mostly from Kansas East. So uh but a lot of travel in the West, and then I went to Texas to go to college uh, in 1970. Before that, I would worked out in New Mexico uh, as an archaeological field assistant. So I was, I, you know, I was really oriented toward the West, and then I fell into studying U.S. history with a concentration on westward expansion and the, you know, everything that happened you know, west of Missouri, and uh, just became a Westerner that way. I think more than more than anything else. Oh, okay.
1: So when did you start playing the guitar as a kid? Did you just pick it up as a kid and start strumming? And-
2: uh, I was about 16 or 17 when I started playing guitar. I'd, I'd played auto harp before that, and I was, I was a drummer through uh, grade school and high school band. And uh, What was the name of that good- band? Uh, I was never uh, – What I had no bands that actually had names. Oh. <laughs> I played school band, and then I did I did rock and roll and, and blues stuff, um, but nothing that ever happened much. And I was playing folk music starting when I was about fourteen. And, and where uh, was that? That was strangely enough uh, Virginia and New Jersey, uh, but oh, okay. places my dad was stationed. And I graduated from high school in New Jersey in 1970, and then went to Texas and have lived west pretty much the rest of the time. Except for do Louisiana. you
1: think? being the son of a, a, a soldier and having to move around and so much from Kansas to Virginia to New Jersey. Do you think that's a good thing for a serial killer?
2: It'd be very convenient. I've thought a lot about that. Um, you know, because I travel really? so much, I think about all the different jobs you could have as you travel. My dad, of course, traveled. Uh, you know, we, we moved every three years or so. And yeah, you could uh, you could do a lot of damage and then just move away and you know, pretty much things, that would calm down, and uh, they'd forget about the crimes, maybe, and you'd set up in a new, you know, new, new place to do business.
1: Did you also, as a young teenager, move it around to so break that. a lot of hearts?
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't think so.
1: No, you no. didn't have a woman in every town.
2: No. No. Okay. I'm
0: Well, 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 so Carrie, um, so you, so you, you go to college, you're, you're a history major. Um, do you start playing music there or did, did you kind of start professionally playing music a
2: little bit later in life? What was, uh, what did you do before well, you played music? When I was a teenager, uh, high school and then young college student, I played, uh, music in bars and coffee houses, uh, tip jar kind of stuff usually sometimes a percentage of the bar and I played uh, in singer songwriter venues and uh, such as there were the folk music places in Austin, Texas, starting in 70 through about 74, 75. Okay. And then um, so, and I I was playing uh, some original stuff. I was playing uh, old country stuff that I'd grown up on uh, playing some newer stuff from uh, singer songwriters. I liked a lot. Uh, But I then put sort of packed it up and missed the, this, the Austin, Texas singer songwriter boom from the mid seventies to the mid eighties and didn't really get back into music till the nineties.
0: Okay. Well, so to, to get to the, the, the cowboy music, uh, genre, it's, uh, I'm I'm fascinated by it. It's a very insular kind of, you know, like most music fans are, are not really familiar with this music so much. I mean, they've, we've all heard of, uh, you know, Gene Autry, Roy Rogers. I mean, is
2: would you consider Roy Rogers to be, uh, like, cowboy music? Oh, definitely. Roy Rogers represents that movie era of cowboy songs, you know, from roughly the 1930s into the fifties. And before that, there was a Tin Pan Alley version of cowboy music. And before that, there were the trail songs, you know, things that people actually sang out in the West, you know, from the 1880s onward, things that were recorded in the 1920s, some of those songs. Um, And then kind of after the movie era, you get, you know, Marty Robbins and the kind of Western singer songwriter, uh, that ian tyson another one of them uh in the sort of in the, the the cowboy folk world in the 60s okay um, it's like a rambling jack elliott is he kind yeah. of in that bag kind of in there uh you know both you know, straddling the cowboy and folk world the way woody guthrie did too um, mm-hmm. and out of that uh kind of coincidental with it uh beginning in the late 19th century and especially the early 20th century there was this stuff called cowboy poetry, rhyme and meter poetry that that is related to the Rudyard Kipling style of uh, you know Robert Service storytelling in poem form uh, with with great lines. So there's a there's a Western version of that that begins. Uh, there are publications that have it uh, every month. Sunset magazine was one of them, and so you've got this cowboy poetry thing that's percolating under the surface in the West and then in the 1980s or so the singer songwriter and movie cowboy held over era cowboy singer people got together with cowboy poets and began what is now the sort of modern cowboy poetry and music world you know the resurgence of that of that of those two um genres of western expression okay and um so there there are lots now lots of practitioners of those things and and in each of the you know, the disciplines, whether it's music or the poetry, there are people who do the old stuff. There are people who do new stuff. Uh, there, are, there's lots of variety in, in what, what people offer. And this kind of goes along with a, with a whole
0: uh, you know cultural lifestyle thing. I imagine you tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but like a lot of the people that are that are you know big fans and and go to these uh, you know cowboy poetry gatherings, uh, is there like a crossover with like the Dude ranches and uh, and you know uh, uh, buckskin jackets and turquoise jewelry. I mean, is that is that all kind of uh, in uh, of a a set or not necessarily?
2: Well, I think that there's a there's a broad um, a broad swath or a broad stretch of of behaviors and dress styles and lifestyles that all are attracted to the music and poetry in different places at different times. So sometimes, yeah, you'll see the real glitzy, turquoise-up, fringe-jacket crowd of people. You know, some places you'll see working cowboys, and some places okay. where they mix in a way.
1: Where, um, do you, where does Brokeback Mountain fit in?
2: <laughs> not, not a real popular story among the mainstream cowboys. No? No.
1: no. Have you ever witnessed anything?
2: Come no, on. you know, I stay in my teepee when I when I camp and I sleep. You yeah,
0: <laughs> you're not you're not roaming from a uh, teepee to teepee. <laughs> I'm <laughs> looking I'm for not. friends. No.
2: so
1: cowboys no. stay in teepees. Well,
2: oh, yeah, a lot of times on the range, yeah, there was a style of tent uh, that was made of canvas, but looks like a like a hide teepee. Uh, it's like uh, a tripod tent. Okay. Well,
0: so tell us about some of these these things. Like one of these gatherings you go to, um, is that like out on the plains, and and well, uh, just describe the whole thing. Who shows up? Uh, what what goes down there? I'm fascinated by this.
2: Well, there's um, there's one that I've played a lot over the years in Sierra Vista, Arizona, kind of you know, south, southeastern Arizona, and it's called the Cochise Cowboy Poetry and Music Gathering. And it's they draw um, an audience from the locale, and then they get a lot of people who come in from out of state. Some kind of tour buses sometimes come uh they've got headliners this year. They have the sons of the pioneers headlining. There's still a, a, a kind of a, a holdover, uh, band from the original Bob Nolan, Roy Rogers, uh, sons of the pioneers. The original band
3: mm-hmm. has just
2: continued on in one form or another, you know, in all these years. So, so they're headlining last year, Riders in the sky headlined. Nice. Um, so they get, you know, sometimes you get these, the, the, the entertaining headliners. Um, sometimes they're, uh, uh, Cowboys like Waddy Mitchell, who's a great cowboy singer and uh, uh, and poet, rather uh, R. W. Hampton, who's a great singer. They'll headline a festival like that, and then below that you've got assorted cowboy poets and and singers and and, and sometimes you know bands, I guess, playing uh, cowboy music that are on the bills. So it's you know, sort of festival. Uh, you know, you know how festivals work: multiple stages, sure, uh, day- daytime sessions with the round robins a lot of times. Uh, more, like, more like a folk festival or, the, or a bluegrass festival than a rock festival, though, in terms right. of how the audiences relate to the musicians, how the musicians relate to the audiences.
0: So there's a lot of uh, action around the campfire, uh, coffee out of
2: 10 cups. Is that part of it? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, depending on you know, like I, I do a week every year uh, sleeping on the ground in, in South Dakota for the annual Buffalo Roundup at Custer State Park. And there we're, we're we're singing and talking around campfires. Uh, there's a there's a festival in September in Lubbock, Texas, called the National Cowboy Symposium, where outside the building there will be anywhere from eighteen to thirty or forty chuck wagons that are participating in chuck wagon cook-offs. And out there at night, sometimes musicians and poets will hang out with the, with the chuck wagon cooks, uh, reciting and singing and drinking coffee and. Eating, Wouldn't um,
1: you rather sleep in a hotel than on the ground, Carrie?
2: I like both you know, I've done both all my life, and i can I, I can I can do both, but yeah, you know after sleeping on the ground for four or five days, it's nice to sleep on a soft bed. I can
1: bet, yeah, well, let me ask you something because some movies that I've seen and some things that I've read were weren't cowboys at one time considered bad guys
2: well. Bad guys in the in the in sense of being outlaws, or bad guys in in the sense of being folks who did not want your daughter to marry or
1: well your, both. Um,
2: bar to be rich. well probably not outlaws. Uh, I think you know, outlaws were outlaws, however many or few there really were in the West, and then cowboys were mostly young guys after the Civil War. You know the the, the trail drive era uh, from the very late eighteen sixties up to the eighteen eighties. That era. It was, it was young men, uh, and they caroused when they went to town. They, if they could, you know, buy buy booze, they got drunk because they were, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old kids just out working hard and going crazy when they could. So those those guys were probably not the criminals or uh, hoodlums that they're made out to be, or you're thinking of them being. And then they were, you know, there were bank robbers and, and bad guys like that, of course, uh, but they were not the cowboys. Hmm and weren't there a certain
0: a certain percentage of uh, of guys that had gone through the civil war and were kind of uh, shell shocked or or you know or uh, disaffected in whatever way you know like a, you always find those marginal characters out on the on the frontiers you know trying to you know Probably, escape the yeah, rigors and, of society
2: and, and i'm sure, yeah i'm sure there were just you know that in that kind of westward push after the civil war and then the estimate is that about 25% of the working cowboys in the, in the trail drive era were, were African-American. They were, they were mostly freed slaves off the plantations who went West uh, looking for work. Right. And so, um, you know, that, that's, that's, although we talk about that a lot in the, the Western history world and, and even it seeps over into the, into the cowboy world, the, the entertainment world, it's not something that's really thought a lot about outside of the West and outside of people who, who you know think think about you know who were these cowboys you know who you know, who were they you know not just a mass of young guys pushing cows north but you know individually demographically who were they
0: right well they don't they don't portray that in the in the cowboy movie so much so people you know they they no, not get a all. lot of their
2: uh, perceptions from
0: from popular
2: media Sure. And, and and those perceptions were, were a lot of them formed, you know, in the 1950s, the 40s and 50s with those cowboy movies, which were just all white actors. Uh, bad guys were always uh, one color or another. You know, there were Mexicans or there were Indians.
1: But they were portrayed by white guys.
2: The Indians often were, you know, often yeah. were. But uh, I, I just don't, I don't think that the scholarship had been done, that people weren't aware of who the cowboys were. And even though they were only 50 or 80 years divorced from that time period the people making those movies had no experience with life on the plains you know they, they never thought about that part of u.s history if they thought at all about that
0: right well they weren't interested in historical accuracy they're just trying to put asses in seats oh, no. right
2: no they 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 would have been perfect for this podcast yeah <laughs> sure <laughs>
0: um well the so so when you go to these these events and you're sleeping in teepees i mean if if it's a big festival crowd then you know not everybody's staying in those kind of accommodations but they aren't always these these real big festivals right but anyway i'm I'm asking several questions at once here i'm fascinated by who comes there and and one question i I had when you were saying before about you know uh, you get a lot of germans there because i know germans are real into like american country music i was just wondering i could just see german tourists coming there i don't know you ever run into them
2: some uh, not a lot but but there are germans who uh really like the old west you know germany has had a cult of the old west since the 1920s or 30s and um there are german fans of of cowboy music who come to some of these festivals and they they like you know they go to different ones probably year after year uh somebody will come over and, and go to the same festival year after year Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, Germans yeah. also love David Hasselhoff. That's true. They love David yeah. Hasselhoff, the pop star.
2: Sure, sure. But he was uh, not a, Yeah, but he, if, 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 I don't think he ever even thought about do, being a, co- a cowboy singer. Probably never no. about that.
0: No. Yeah, I was always fascinated about being on the road in, in Germany. You stop at a, a truck stop, and it's filled with American country music tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they
2: love that well, stuff. After after World War II, uh, Armed Forces Network played country music on the radio in Germany, and it was a service for uh, American soldiers, but everybody could hear it. And I think that that country music caught on quite a bit in those days.
0: Okay, I mean, there you go, there you go. I like it. Well, uh, so 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 you're 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 out there in big sky country.
2: It's beautiful, huh? It is incredible. I I love the landscape, and I I drive in it all the time. You know, I, I'm out for six months of the year, not all continually anymore, but you know, I'll, I'll be gone that much. And most of it's driving in the west, um, and it you know, and it's it's all gorgeous. I I like everything about it. Uh, there's hardly a place I go that I don't really like looking at the scenery.
0: Yes, this is a fascinating country uh, topographically. We have such a variety of of uh, different. Um, landscapes here it's it's uh but but th- but that is one of my favorites you know it's being from new orleans it took me years to ever get up into that part of the country but uh but uh yes it's breathtaking
1: so i don't really care for camping anymore though
0: did you ever maybe yeah i don't want to camp but i i do like yeah. uh i do like being there you know and and yeah you can like like uh like Carrie saying, you know, you can go stop at a little, uh, uh, you know, motel off the beaten track. There's, there's plenty, plenty rustic enough.
1: Yeah, I don't really care. Yeah, I, at the, I'll go on your little hike or your nature walk. But at the end of the day, I want to go back to the hotel and watch Sports Center. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah. So, M- Manny, you might like the Dude Ranch experience, where you you stay in nice accommodations. You could ride horses and do all kinds of stuff that are kind of Western. I don't ride now. horses
1: anymore. I'll bet on them, but I won't ride them anymore.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I had a horse once, Carrie, when I was a young teenager. I had a horse in Mexico. Oh. And my because my grandparents uh, bought all the grandchildren horses, I'd go down there every summer and ride the horse. And then I think I was 15 years old and uh, – I was told by my grandparents, this is during the fall that my horse got hit by a truck and died.
0: Oh jeez. So,
1: yeah. So I never cared to ride horses anymore from that. You know. But okay. I'll bet on them.
0: Okay. All right.
1: I love the ponies at the track.
0: Sure, sure. Especially yeah.
1: the gray ones from Europe that the riders wearing pink. Always okay. bet on the rider wearing pink on a gray horse from Europe. And okay. never lose.
2: How, how often do you see that?
1: Uh, not often.
0: Not
2: often uh, enough.
1: Not often enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, because I remember one time at Hollywood Park at, back in 1987, there was this horse from, I think it was France. It was a gray horse. And uh, it's a beautiful gray horse. And uh, the rider was wearing pink. And it was going off at like twenty-eight, twenty-five to one, I think. I put a hundred bucks down on it. And it came in, man, baby. It Whoa. came in big.
0: Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, took
1: that money, and you know what we did? Tell me. Went straight to Vegas, baby. Okay. You gotta let it ride, man. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta let it ride. How'd man. that work out? Oh, pretty good. I hit a parlay, a three-game college parlay. I was up around $65,000, and then I slowly started to lose it all. Because, you know, the casino, they don't want you winning. So they offer you a big suite and stuff like that. And so we stayed in the big suite, and they got their money back over the next, you know, eight months or so. Oh,
0: by, giving okay. me,
1: by giving me free plane trips to Vegas and free accommodations, they'll get their money back over the long haul.
0: Okay, well, that's that's a that's a, a, a exciting story we haven't heard before on the podcast, man. Yeah, uh, good times. Okay. Yeah, sounds like fun, man. Yeah. Well, well, Carrie, you know, you were you were talking about uh, you know uh, your, your father being in the in the in the, in the service and uh, and and you know being in the, the among the core of of, of Jewish recruits. And uh, so I was thinking about, you know, uh, Jews in the West. Now, it's another thing that we don't really think of. The movies don't portray it. But I know, you know, like always, there's always Jews on the frontier. Yeah,
2: there would have been shopkeepers, doctors. Uh, there's a my, my mother's family name is Rosenthal. And there's a Rosenthal buried uh, in the kind of standard part of the Boot Hill Cemetery in Tombstone, Arizona, buried there back mm-hmm. in the 1880s or 90s you know not 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 a victim of gunfire or anything just you know died there. Uh um, right. so yeah there were there were there were Jews in the west um you know more more as times went on than than in the very early days. Uh, and then I think as as California, Oregon, Washington were settled, you know the cities were settled, people moved inland, probably more Jews moved you know east in that you know from the west. Uh you know Phoenix gets settled, you've got the Gold Waters there. Um uh, you know, lots, lots of you know, all over the all over the country. Right. right. Do you
1: find though in today's culture, the last eight years or so, with the hatred among and and everything divided in this country, now you going out and perform and you're a Jew. Do you see any of this like white militia stuff, like in those Eastern Washington or Eastern Oregon or even Northern California? Do you see any of backlash of that?
2: Well, I, I actually travel in eastern Oregon. I used to live out there, and I, I travel in eastern Oregon. I travel in northern Idaho, uh, eastern Washington, and I don't see it. it, it I, I know that it's there, but but I don't come across it. And in the crowd of people I work among, uh, I don't see it. Uh, the
1: So you think that probably they're just not going to your show?
2: That would be yes that that's certainly true and not okay. going to the you know not not going to the festivals that I that I play at or uh, you know or the or the friend shows I go to but um, but I know I know people who are on the fringes of of those you're know, probably those groups um, if I think about it real hard um, and mostly you know in the West you you learn you know you don't go down driveways of people you don't know. You, know you sort of you stay away yeah. from, from people you, you you avoid trouble and um, you know the people i know are politically conservative uh to say the least uh lots of them know trump supporters and people who have a kind of i don't know uh anarchic libertarian streak uh, mm-hmm. and um You know, I but and and, and there are a lot of them are kind people and people I, I play music with people you know whom I know socially, uh, not deeply, and you know I don't see overt uh, anti-Semitic behavior, you know, or, or hear that, uh, you know, I see on Facebook posts, you know, you know the you know George Soros uh, references that that's as close as most people get.
0: Right, right. Everybody keeps politics out of the uh, out of the uh, the the gatherings. There, the campfires. They they, they no uh, n-
2: no. That's not the case. I mean, it depends on okay. the audience. Depends on the audience. It depends on the performer. Uh, but you know, the same way that you get you know Stevie Wonder going on and on about something on stage uh, at Jazz Fest. You can remember those sets, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you get you know some performer. Uh, talking and 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 the crowd is receptive. Uh, yeah. You know um, it'll be support for for the Bundys or um, or some other thing like that. Uh, and you know it kind of comes and goes. Um, Ted Bundy? And, no, <laughs> I knew he, you were going to think that. Clive, Clive and Bundy, yeah. <laughs> Who's yeah. the Bundy? Clive and Bundy. The uh, I don't know who that is. Well, he he was the he, the rancher in Nevada who didn't pay uh, his BLM lease fees for a long time. Uh, Black Lives Matter?
0: St- Bureau of no. Land Management. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Bureau, of, Bureau
2: of Land Management. Thank you, Brené. Um, and so there was a, an armed standoff with fed, with feds over that. Bundy's son later emerges as a leader of the Eastern Oregon takeover of the, uh, the Malheur National Refuge of and then he's he's involved in all kinds of, of crazy COVID protests in Idaho now, uh, so that Bundy. Um, you know, so there'll be some conversation like that, depending on who the performer is and who the audience is, and then it kind of you know moves on. Uh, so in the same way, you know, you know they're, they're, and they're talking to audiences who pretty much agree with them. The same way that you know you get the Stevie Wonder's or whoever talking to our audience at Jazz Fest, you know, and, and knowing that pretty much people agree. Right. Right. You, 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 uh, you,
0: you don't bring up politics. I would imagine (laughs) you. uh, No, I don't. And and why would you? Yes. It's a, you know, it's they, they, during the Vietnam war, they tried to to, uh, drag Dylan into making some statements of course, famously said, uh, Hey man, I'm just
2: a song and dance man. (laughs) Well, I have opinions and, and, you know, and I share them with some people. Um, and, there are things i'll talk about and things i won't like i'll i'll, I'll argue about health care and health insurance um more than i'll and, and i'll and in economics but i won't necessarily argue social policy
0: right on right on
2: well uh uh
0: manny i'm looking at my drink and uh seems like a good time to take a break what do you think you
1: should be looking at yourself renee
0: well, I'm, I'm taking a long, hard look at myself and, and then I'm looking at my drink and I'm looking back at myself and, and I'm thinking I definitely need another drink. When okay. I'm Okay.
1: All right, Carrie, this is a time where we take a break. We go uh, get another libation. And the troubled
3: nation knows the drill. So uh, we'll be right back. Mother of millions, daughter of one. Walk from the willows to the rising sun. Straight up back high, head swinging low On the range of the buffalo Thunder on the prairie, thunder in their hooves Earth would tremble when the bison move. Seasons come and seasons go On the range of the buffalo I grew up in the dust of many horses My lance was lightning My aim was true I took what the earth did offer I gave praise when praise was due Longshaw's barrel is glowing red from this hilltop count hundred dead leave the carcass just take the coat on the rain to the buffalo
0: and we're back back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee and back with our guest, Mr. Carrie Grombacher. Now Carrie uh you know we're we're back to our original sponsor the nation knows about it the original sponsor is uh, loose change so you know we've identified places that you you can find loose change pants pockets uh the bottom of the dryer uh you know couch cushions and uh you know as as the the podcast is a listener supported operation we urge you to uh, find that loose change uh, wh- wherever it, it exists and uh you know, Use it to, uh, to help support the podcast. We have the PayPal link in the show notes. We have our uh, Patreon page uh, that you can join. We have uh, some patrons that uh, support us weekend and week out as they listen to the show weekend and week out. And uh, so they, they, they're participating uh, in, in a first-person yeah. kind of way.
1: Yeah, don't give your loose change to the homeless. Give it to us.
0: Well, maybe there's enough to go around a little bit to the homeless and, uh, and, and, uh, maybe a a little bit to us, but, uh, and we want to give a shout out to, uh, Kevin Todd, who's, uh, who listens to us in the UK and, uh, he's, he's a supporter of the podcast and, uh, he's, he's, he's pitching in. So thank you, uh, Kevin. Is
1: he paying in pounds or dollars?
0: um uh there might be a conversion there i think it came to us in dollars but he, he probably it was an odd amount so he probably uh paid in pounds now that now that you mention it but uh we do appreciate that and uh you know for free you can follow us on facebook uh, instagram twitter and uh subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and well uh, facebook
1: is changing its name
0: I heard about that. We don't know what the name is. Though. No, I
1: do. I heard it today. Oh, what's that? It's called Meta.
0: Oh, jeez, really? Meta. Okay. Well, that's that sounds more menacing than ever. So, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, what's a Meta?
0: Well, <laughs> that's not that's not the first thing I thought of. It just sounds very. Uh, um, what's the word? Uh, um, what was that movie? Philosoph- uh, it's, it's philosophical. Yeah, 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 but it's, it sounds scary. Uh, uh, I'll think of the movie later. But
1: well, no. Uh, what's his name? Zuckerberg announced today uh, that they're they're going to rebrand to Meta. Oh boy! That's what they're saying. Which <sighs> you know, I don't know what that means for me. Uh, I don't think it means anything for me. But to millions and millions of people, it's either going to fuck them or it's going to be really cool for them. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know that the, the the name can't make too much of a difference, but it, it just does sound, it sounds like the Matrix. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, it sounds kind of uh, post-apocalyptic somehow, or uh, I don't know.
2: It's, right. it, sounds like it, it sounds like Metairie to me. <laughs> Metairie?
0: Okay. <laughs> We're going Metairie. We're going Meta. Like, you know, Metairie.
2: But, you know,
1: speaking of uh, Metairie and, and Orleans Parish, did you hear this past Sunday... If you wanted to call somebody, you start having to use the area code now. Did you know that, Renee?
0: Well, I, I heard that they that that, that was announced, but uh, is that true? Is yeah, it it's already very true? true. Really, the call won't go through. Okay,
1: unless you put in the five zero four area code.
0: Okay. Well, fortunately, we all have cell phones, and usually the area codes is is already in there and programmed in. So,
1: see, I find that okay. I'm fine with that because that means I don't have to call anyone.
0: Well, okay. I'm not sure football, you had to yeah. call anyone before if, you know, I don't know how that would make too much of a difference, but, uh, again, the, the phone does all the work, you know, we're, we're not, we're not really punching in numbers, um, these and days. And It does we're,
1: all the spying too.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's yes. It's easier than ever. Well, okay. So, uh, back to our guest, Mr. Kerry Grombacher. Now, uh, Kerry, so we we're talking about your, your record, the, the, the Range of the Buffalo. Terrific record. It's been listening to it the past few days. Um, so you re- recorded that in, in Austin primarily? Yeah, in Austin and um, out by Spicewood, Texas. Okay. Is that, it's, it's, uh, you do a lot of solo performances, but the, the record is mostly a band record.
2: Yeah, I like, I like recording that way. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I have this idea of what the song should sound like on the radio, uh, or on the, on the car stereo, and it's you know it's it's nice for me to go into a studio and and make those sounds. Uh, but yeah, I tour as a solo, um, and you know sometimes as a duo, but never never with a band like I record with. Um, I play I play shows with that band once in a while. You know, my, my my jazz fest sets have been with bands.
0: Okay, is that kind of a a consistent group
2: of guys you've been using for a while there? Yeah. Uh, if I could have Marvin Dykus playing guitar, I always want him. Um, nice. I've had uh, a couple of different bass players. Um, uh, but you, you know, just one one of, I've got a choice of three these days. Okay. Uh, you had some, uh, some lovely accordion work on the record. I, I was, that, uh... that's Chip Dolan. Uh, Chip is a great player. Um, he, I, I, I first heard him playing accordion with Tishy Nohoso, but, um, He's he's traveled with Flaco Jimenez and he and he really understands uh, the conjunto style and he's a great great piano player too uh, so he's, he's he's very versatile. But he was playing a button accordion on your record, right? No, no, he gets that sound from a from a, 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 a what do you call a piano it? accordion? Piano accordion, yeah. Amazing, because yeah,
0: yeah. it really he really got that uh, that button accordion sound out of there. I was
2: I, I was he fooled me. Yeah, he's good at that. Uh, he did that on a, on a Cajun song for me, too, uh, on an album. Uh, maybe maybe the other one you've got, uh, a song called Cajun Cowboy. Yes.
0: So this, again, I'm fascinated with the subculture. Um, you know, Americans in general are fascinated with the West. and, yeah, and, 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 and really always have been. Do you, you have uh, some,
2: some thoughts behind that? Oh, I, I think that it's, it's been marketed really well, uh, starting with the time it was happening. Uh, there were people writing about the Western experience while people were moving west and living that experience, whether they were farming or ranching or you know, mining. Uh, so I think that it, that there's been a, a mythos being created about the west while it's been happening. Yeah. And you know, we continue to subscribe to some form of that. It changes you know, from, from time to time. Um, yeah, you know, and for me, it was it was um, a history that really fascinated me. I, I was taken by uh, by by archaeology when I was really young. Uh, my first forays to New Mexico when I was ten and eleven years old. I was fascinated by the archaeological ruins and uh, did archaeological field work out there in the in the late '60s when I was a teenager, uh, and gradually moved into Western history rather than the uh, prehistory and became, well, I, I studied under a guy who had just won a Pulitzer Prize for uh, a really remarkable book about Western expansion, Western history, a uh, fellow named William Getzman. And in that, in that academic world, we learned to look at not only one, you know, to look at history as a multifaceted thing. We're looking at art, we're looking at literature, we're listening to music, we're watching who the people were, where they went, uh, Trying to trying to look at the at the experience fully rather than just with an eye toward how cities were developed or who farmed where and how much acreage was under tillage that kind of stuff.
1: But um, is the slaughtering of all Native Americans part of that too?
2: It is. That was part of what I studied, um, and it's it's part of it's part of what goes into a lot of writing about the West. Um, you know, it's a it's a bizarre thing that we we live and acknowledge. I mean, to a greater or lesser extent. I mean, there there are people, uh, you know, who, but but we live we we live with and acknowledge, uh, the, horrendous things done to get us where we are today, and then we try to deal with who we are out there. You know, I happen to have fallen into uh, a family of South Dakota cowboys, who have been best friends with a family. Of Sioux and Blackfeet cowboys for sixty years, and um, so there's some of that that I can see happening. You know, where you've got the history, which is horrible, you've got the the current relationship, which is you know, a continual negotiation. Um, so yeah, the 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 horrors are part of it, uh, but to a, to a lesser or greater extent, depending on who you are and and who your crowd is, I think.
1: So do you feel like the Atlanta baseball team should change their name?
2: What is their name?
1: The Braves.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And they they do that tomahawk chop chop thing? Yeah. That has to go.
1: That's disgusting.
2: Yeah. But interestingly enough, I was in a McDonald's in Haver, Montana, uh, about five or six years ago. Haver is almost as far north as you can go in the contiguous United States. It's just under the Canadian border in Northern Montana. And it's close to a Blackfeet reservation and close to another a Plains Indian reservation. And I was in line waiting for coffee with a Native American guy, an older fellow, and he was wearing a... uh, What's the Washington team called? What were they called? The
1: Redskins.
2: Redskins. He was wearing a Washington Redskins baseball cap. And we were chatting and I asked him how, you know, how he as a Native American could wear that. And he had a story about how it had been given to him by a CVS crew and, you know, and he liked the image and he had no problem with it. Um, you know, that, that's anecdotal. And I, th- right. I think that as a, as a moral thing, it's, it's disgusting. But there's a, you know, there's a great contradiction.
1: Um, Did you get the McRib it, while you were there?
2: No, I don't eat that. Uh, I got I got the coffee and I probably had an egg McMuffin or something like that.
1: Oh, uh, Okay,
2: with no uh, with no ham. Yeah, yeah. No, no. i I I until I gave it up because of the salt. I was a ham and sausage.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's to each his own. Well, uh, but so so at some point you were mentioning it in, in the I was as I was speaking to you before the podcast that uh, we're talking about the Wild West shows and you were saying that that those had even. Been in new orleans was there uh, there, there's a little bit of the 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 roots of of what you do uh, contained in those wild west shows no
2: well i don't think that anything i do is contained in the wild west shows but you're right about the wild west show coming to new orleans in 1884 uh, buffalo bill brought the wild west show down for the world cotton exposition which was one of the first world's fairs and the wild west show was two years old at the time and new orleans is where he hired annie oakley Mm. uh and it's probably has something to do with the earliest manifestations of bardigar indians uh there there's not a lot of re- reporting on it but there there's a mention of a creole uh, wild west organization in about 1884 1895 uh okay so um but uh, the wild west show is down here um and, you know, and New Orleans was it used to be a country music uh, recording mecca, uh, not as big as Nashville, but before Nashville. And um, and you know, just it, you know, you know, you know about the recording industry here. It, it it encompassed not only rhythm and blues and race records, soul records, but uh, it encompassed country music too.
0: Yep, yep.
2: Well, uh, well, so
0: so you know, you're out there and and. I I knew you for several years before I, I even realized what you did for a living. I think you're not, not a guy that, uh, you know, not a real show-offy guy. You're kind of a retiring, uh, personality. Um, but, uh, you know, come to find out, yes, you're out there six months out of the year, traveling all over, playing a million dates. It's uh, it's kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know. You keep it on the down low, Carrie.
2: Well, you know, in New Orleans, you know, I, I, but I'm the guy wearing Levi's and boots and a cowboy shirt every day. Uh, okay. you, know, you see me you see me at clubs, you see me wherever I am. I've got a hat on usually. I've got jeans and cowboy shirts. Um, and, you know, I, I don't play music here a lot. I, I've been able to play jazz fest. I've been really, really uh, lucky to have that booking periodically. Um, but I used to play at the Cary Irish Pub, but it's not really my crowd. I, I'm a storyteller and a ballad singer, and I'm not a bar singer. So I, 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 know that New Orleans is not a natural market for what I do. Uh, although I, I was part of the, um, Louisiana Folklife Festival once, uh, that was, that was really nice. Nice. But I, nice. you know, I go elsewhere to play. So, um, uh, and kind of, I do keep kind of low, low profile here, I guess.
1: I notice on the Facebook, I see sometimes you play a, a lot of uh, like libraries.
2: I do. Libraries are great venues, um, what I offer an educational, you know, it's a, it's a program I called songs and stories of the American West, which is really just me telling stories and singing my songs. It's my concert. Um, but they get, you know, my perspective on things about the West and it's not like the history of the West It's it's different stuff. Uh, I'll sing a song about Billy the kid's death. I'll sing a song about an old camp cook, uh, with Spanish in it. I'll sing a song about the, the, the Highline area of Montana, and I'll talk about those areas or I'll talk about something. And so there's an educational component in it and a storytelling component. And so libraries are great venues for that uh, because they like programs that are have uh, interesting educational and entertaining content. Uh, and you go in early and you're finished early. It's a, it's a guarantee. Uh, it's a family kind of
0: act. You don't work blue, you know. You're not <laughs> No, no, no. It's <laughs> not going to hurt anybody's feelings.
1: And you get a free library card, right?
2: The librarians are very nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are some, you know, who do, uh, we, I do creative writing workshops sometimes um, and other kinds of programs for libraries. So there's a little bit of variety. Mostly it's concerts. And then uh, arts councils uh, are another component of, of who I do uh, shows for. Um, museums, a fair number of museums. Now, uh, you, you did this
0: this uh, record uh, about, uh, or, or did a tour, the Highway Two Eighty One Troubadour Tour. Yeah, that was fun. That was a trip. So you you played all along Highway Two Eighty One from it goes from Canada to Mexico.
2: Where exactly is that? Whereabouts does that run through? It's right down the middle. I mean Highway Two Eighty One. So I had this idea. I, I I used to play, or I've played in in Red Cloud, Nebraska, off and on for about. 15 years or 20 years. And Red Cloud was the home of Willa Cather, the, the Nebraska novelist uh, Pulitzer Prize winner. And um, they have a really wonderful concert hall called the Red Cloud Opera House. And it, in Main Street of Red Cloud is Highway 281. And I was on stage there one time and I said, you know, this is an interesting highway. I should just explore the entirety of it. And, and the next year I had booked a tour that, that went from the International Peace Garden uh, which is on the border of, of Canada, right at Dunseith, North Dakota, uh, all the way down through um, the middle of South Dakota, down through um, Nebraska and Kansas, uh, through Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, San Antonio, down to the, down to Brownsville and and uh, and McAllen, Texas. Uh, I booked a tour along the entirety of that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, more dates here, more fewer dates other places, but. Uh, it, you know, it was just a, a kind of fun thing to do. I, I thought that it would be uh, an adventure, really. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, and a challenge, too, to do that to do that kind of booking. Uh, and I thought, that, yeah, it's, it's a great highway. It's, it's very scenic. Uh, it runs through incredible countryside. Um, you know, I, I was in North Dakota when it was still very wet. It was May when I started the tour. And there were northbound waterfowl that were just kind of floating around in the ditches by the highway. It was, you know, wild. And, um, you know, it goes down through uh, interesting parts of, of South Dakota, crosses the Missouri really at a really pretty place. Uh, goes down through interesting parts of Nebraska that goes through the sand hills and then down uh, through the plains. You know, bisects Kansas, goes through Great Bend, Kansas, a kind of really cool town. Uh, goes through Lawton, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Uh, Wichita Falls, as I said, I mean, it just runs through great, great countryside. Uh, right, a wide variety of things: the plains, the desert uh, in Oklahoma, uh, this really pretty hill country of Texas from Wichita Falls down to San Antonio, and then it goes across the coastal prairie uh, from San Antonio going southeast uh, toward uh, toward McAllen.
1: So, on these tours, you're on your own, Kerry, right? Yeah. So you're probably smoking a lot of pot, right?
2: I do not make admissions against interest, Manny. There you go. Okay. And, and but I have to say that I have to say that I'm glad this is uh, this. I'm glad this is a podcast and not a Zoom thing like I've been doing for the last 19 months. Yeah. No, this is not live. Right. <laughs> or filmed. Or filmed.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, we we you could you could you could have be dressed any kind of way right now or not at all. Right. Um, and speaking of which, uh, I noticed in a lot of your press, the, this, this thing gets mentioned over and over again, how, uh, and, and in fact, in, on, on your website, you have a whole gallery of, uh, Sands motels all across the country, all photographs yeah. of, of 16 or 20 different Sands, like the something Sands or just the Sands motel. And in fact, uh, there's a, a Sands motel on route 66 in Grants, New Mexico, that uh they actually named a room after you now i'm i'm right. fascinated so, uh so so what went down there was it some some uh, legendary night that you spent there or tell us,
2: tell no, us how that no no it, it, it's far more mundane than that there's a sands motel in south austin that i used to see periodically because i lived in austin starting in 1970 and when i met my wife who's from new orleans i started driving back and forth between austin and new orleans and i would pass a sands motel in giddings texas uh, and I, you know, I noted there was a Sands Motel there. And then when I started touring more for music, uh, I started noticing Sands Motels elsewhere, uh, You know, all through New Mexico, for instance. And I was up in, in uh, the sand hills of Nebraska, Northern Nebraska, and I passed a Sands Motel in Gordon, Nebraska, and I thought, oh gosh, I should be taking pictures of these. Because I was thinking about Butch Hancock, who's a singer-songwriter and a great photographer who has been taking you know, little photographs of things for ages. I thought, oh, I should do something I like butch would do, which is take a picture of all these Sands Motels. So I started taking pictures of them um, all over the ta- all over the country. I, I started seeking them out when I travel. You know, is there a Sands Motel anywhere near here? I'll go take a picture of it. <laughs> um, and at one point, at some point, I wrote a song called Sands Motel. And then a friend of mine in Chaparral, New Mexico, Judy Welch, painted a necktie for me that has the Sands Motel sign, the neon sign, of the Sands Motel in Las Cruces, New Mexico, really beautiful sign in those days. And I was just on this, I you was know, sort of fixated with these Sands Motels and put out the record uh, called Sands Motel and then was marketing it. And I, and I really called all these Sands Motels all around the country to see if they wanted to buy Sands Motel albums for me, sell them in their lobbies to their guests. Mm. You know, The guests would have a memento, they'd have, they'd have money in the lobby. I get mailbox money by selling these things at wholesale. Nobody bit. I mean, they, they no. turned me away. Some of them <laughs> would not even let me send them a CD. Yeah, they <laughs> even for be- free. <laughs> we don't well, want once, it. Whatever ski it was I was pulling, they were not being, uh. being uh, ripped off. And I got to the end of my list, this fellow named Bob Rasmussen uh, owned the Sands Motel in Grants, New Mexico, out there on Route 66. And he said, sure, send me a CD. I'll listen to it. And it turned out that Bob had made his living in the casino business in California. He was, he was in publicity and promotion for casinos, but his life's dream had been to own a motel on Route 66. He and his father had driven from LA to Chicago round trip twice when he was a teenager in the 1960s and he loved Route 66. So he realized his life's dream with with his retirement savings or something, illegal winnings from the casino, I don't know, Manny's money from Las Vegas, who knows? But he he bought this motel in Grant's Fixed all the neon and had a great website featuring Manhattan Transfer singing the Bobby Troop Route 66 song, and mm-hmm. he said, "Sure, send me a CD." And he called me a week later and said, "I'll buy a box of these. I can sell them." And that guy went through box after box, month after month, and finally said to me, "If you're ever in New Mexico, you should come stay here at the Sands Motel for free because you know it's the Sands Motel." And so I said, "I'll be right there." And uh, he said, "Well, you know, we hold on." Uh, and so we arranged I, I did a concert on his parking lot which was a benefit for the local food bank and um, the albuquerque tribune covered it really well and it got a lot of publicity and a lot of people came and my compensation was that he put my name on the door of the room i stayed in room 104 so it, and through subsequent owners it's remained the grombacher room
0: wow okay yeah all right well troubled nation you uh you know where to stay in uh, in grants new mexico Ever, it's
2: a pretty nice hotel. It's not, not a great place, but it's an okay place.
0: Yeah, that's where we like to stay. Not too great, just just okay. You know, not right. on the ground, but, but
2: just off the ground. <laughs> exactly.
0: Just off the ground. Right, right, right. With neon, with neon. Yes, yes, we love the neon. Um, uh, uh, not a noble gas, though, or is it? No, it is. Um, no, it's not. No, it's no, not. No. Okay, that's uh, yes. We had this discussion, or I've read. No, anyway, no, it is. No, no, neon is. Freon is not. That's right. That's what it is. Okay. Glad we got to the bottom of that. got to resolve something on this podcast, Carrie. Um,
2: I made that gap at a concert one night.
0: Okay. Well, you got to be careful with those noble gases. Well, Carrie, uh, uh, we're so excited for your your nominations uh, in in, in on the, for this this terrific record. Uh, good luck with that uh, as you as you go out there. I guess uh, next month or,
2: or in December or something. I don't know when when is that coming up, right? Mid November at the International Western Music Association's conference in Albuquerque. Uh, there's an awards night on the 13th of November. Excellent, excellent. You're going to be out there.
0: I will be. Yep. Nice, nice. Well, uh yes, best of luck with that. Thank you so much. Man, thank you for coming on the podcast and hipping thank the troubled you, Nation Carrie. to this this whole uh, fascinating subculture of, of uh cowboy culture and western music. And uh you know, be safe out there on the road, you know. Watch watch the road cuz nobody else is. Right, this is true. You have to drive defensively for
2: sure. Thanks a lot, man. Good
0: to see all you. Alright, well, uh, Carrie, as always on uh, the Troubled Man Podcast, we like to say trouble never ends. But the
1: struggle continues.
3: Good night, Carrie.
2: Good night. Good night.
3: They say the first kill is the hardest one of all. But the first bites all it took for Adam's fall. I know now that my tale had not begun Until the moment when the bullet left the gun No, this was not the way my life was to unfold This is not the way my story would be told I'd not thought to live life on the run Until the moment when the bullet left the gun When the fingers twitched the world just blew apart In the stillness between the beats of my heart I turned my face from the blinding light And felt my soul drift toward the night I didn't hear his boot heels shuffle on the floor Didn't hear him open up the bedroom door I'd not lived my life in fear of anyone Until the moment when the bullet left the gun Oh, this is not the way my life was gonna end I was always looking round that next bend. Thought I'd rise and greet the morning sun. Until the moment when the bullet left the gun. Where the fingers twitched, the world just blew apart. In the stillness, tween the beats of my heart. I turned my face from the blinding light Felt my soul drift toward the night my sleep I dreamt I saw Orion's belt And a shooting star where penitentes knelt I'd never seen a constellation come undone Until the moment when the bullet left the gun I didn't know that I was drawing my last breath I didn't know that I was dreaming my own death I didn't know the web life had come unspun Until the moment when the bullet left the gun